0: A horizon is a beautiful picture from our Creator. It's also symbolic of hopes, dreams, and a future. But to see a horizon, we must lift our eyes and look up, out, and beyond ourselves. This past two years of COVID has had a devastating effect on individuals, families, churches, and our country. As believers at Grace Point, we must refocus our attention We must recast our vision and lift our eyes to see the horizon that God has presented us. In Scripture, it says in Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And Jesus said in Luke, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So what is our recast vision for the influence of our church for the next five years? I believe God is calling us to reach and disciple 2,000 people within the next five years. As we look forward with anticipation of Christ's return, we must continue working while we're waiting, working to advance His kingdom. And that requires us at Grace Point Church to lift up our eyes and look up, out and beyond ourselves to the horizon that god has before us i'm excited for what god has on the horizon for grace point church well good morning good morning can we just welcome all of our grace point online family around the county and around the country can we just welcome them Also, we have another um, welcome to our church. Nash and Carly Rayburn had an uh, expansion of their family. Uh, This Wednesday, Salmon Moses Rayburn was born. So welcome, Salmon. Fantastic. Well, on January uh, 9th, we we launched this Horizon series and this whole initiative of helping us to, to lift up our eyes, look up. Out and beyond ourselves, and and we're praying that you know for this vision that God's put on my heart. um, I believe from the heart of God for the next five years, God wants to help us reach and disciple uh, two thousand people for for Jesus Christ. And within that five year, there's a two year initiative that we're we're challenging all of us to grow spiritually, invite consistently, and to and to give generously. Those three challenges all through this initiative and all through uh, these next couple of years. And I've appreciated some feedback, some positive feedback. A couple of ones that really blessed my heart was that it's more about the, the vision than, than a building, which that's my heart. But it's also, I've, I've heard this, is that it's a holistic approach, not just a capital campaign. And, and so we started, we started right out saying, if, and this is good what, no matter the time of year, make sure that God is in first priority. From Haggai. God is in first priority. All blessings flow from God, and we need to have them in priority. And then we, the second part of this uh, teaching series was really unpacking our base passage, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, uh, what that means, and then our part in it, and then the whole initiative part. That initiative is doing what needs to be done without delay. And so my challenge for you is to, uh, for our church, is to go through this booklet Read every page, and then ask God. Okay, God, what do you what do you want me to do? What do you want our family to do? And then, whatever God directs you to do, take the initiative to do it without delay. Whether it's in, you know in the spring here, we're going to have some fusion classes. I got I got to grow spiritually in this area. I, I got to take this Bible study. Um, I need to invite. We we had last week was the. The battle, the tension between being an inward-focused church or an outward-focused church, we challenges us, challenge us that we need to be an outward-focused church, growing ourselves spiritually, but having our eyes and our heart around to the people that God has put in our lives. So if you noticed in the lobby, there is our prayer invite wall, and some names already started going up that you're gonna pray about, and then you're gonna, with God's courage, Invite them to your church. So you put their name, first name, your name and date and put it on the wall. And we want to see names come off of that wall because God answered your prayer and they came um, because you invited them. So that's our challenge uh, so far. Today is the tension between faith, I'm sorry, between fear and faith. Satan wants us to be fearful. It is easy for us to be fearful. That's one of his favorite tools in his toolbox. And there's a lot of us living in fear. God wants us to live in faith. So which are we gonna choose? It's really our choice. And we're gonna live in fear or we're gonna live in faith. If you say, I'm gonna obey God, I'm gonna follow God, guess what? It will require faith. God will perfectly position you To be desperate for him, that is a scary place to be, but it is a fulfilling place to be because you begin to see God like you haven't seen Him before or in a long time. I want you to turn, if you have a copy of God's Word in the Old Testament, a book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter eight. The nation of Israel had has been freed from bondage from 400 plus years of slavery in Egypt. Uh, In the Bible, Egypt is a picture of sin, because sin always puts us in bondage. So they've been set free. God got got them out using Moses. And now they're they're not yet in the promised land. That's a a picture of heaven. But where they're at, they're in the wilderness. That's called living life on this earth. And in the wilderness, they constantly struggled with fear. Are we going to die out here? Um, what's gonna happen or we're gonna put faith in God that God will protect us, God will provide us. They went back and forth all the time and that's really life on this earth is if if you have trusted Jesus as your savior, not trusting in church, not trusting in yourself, being a good person, being good, have good works, you place your faith in Jesus, all right, you place your faith in Jesus, you're still gonna struggle with fear but our choice is are we gonna live there when God says, no, I want you to live by and walk by faith, walk by faith. So even though the audience in chapter 8 is the Israelis, the truth and the principle applies to us today. Applies to us today. So let's begin in verse, verse 1. Be careful to follow every command. God is saying this. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. To teach you that, and Jesus quoted this when he was being tempted by Satan, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I put, I gave you tests to test you, and so that I will find out if you're going to follow me. But here's some things you, I did for you. Verse 4. Your clothes did, clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. So back to verse 2, he says, "Um, I I, I did things to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. You see, God tests us. He tests his children. Are you going to trust me or not? Are you going to rely on yourself or are you going to rely on me? So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to challenge us in this, is that God's test, and God is a test giving God uh, until we get to heaven. No more tests, all right? But God's tests reveal our faith and the condition of our heart. So when you're being tested by God, doesn't, God never tempts to, us to sin, but he'll, te, he'll test us, and those tests will reveal our faith, or lack thereof, or the condition of our heart. God has been doing this my entire life as a follower of Jesus. Three quick stories. I was a youth pastor here in the 90s. About six years into my time here, God was blessing, there's kids and teenagers everywhere. And I was super happy. I was invited to to, uh, teach, uh, do a message at a seminary in Tacoma. And uh, I had no idea that there was a bunch of pastors there. So I shared what God put on my heart, came home. And then I got a phone call that night. There was a pastor from Florida who was visiting, who was in attendance. I had no idea who he was. He said, hey, I heard you today. Is there any way I can take you and your wife out to breakfast? Okay. He said, I just want to share with you. So I'm, I'm a sucker for breakfasts. So, so we went... And he laid out his entire ministry in Florida and said, you know, we need a youth pastor like you, and, and this is a great opportunity, so what do you think? And my first response was, I am very happy here. I have no desire to leave. And then he drops this, but will you pray about it? And in my mind, I wanted to say, no. I love where I'm at. And so he just can't do that, so I'm like, Yes. Then once I say yes, I want to keep my word. So I was gonna pray about it. Came back, told my good friend Paul Hill. I said, Hey, this is what happened. This is kind of crazy. And Paul goes, Really? All right, I'll pray with you. Yeah. That Sunday morning in our old auditorium, the old testament, there, I'm on one side of the, the auditorium, Paul Hill's on the other side. Complete same up front, opposite, and Pastor DeGraf, his message is all about. Faith in God, and go where God is calling you, and God's going to stretch you, and you may be comfortable where you are. And I turned to look at Paul Hill, <laughs> and he's already looking at me, <laughs> and he was like, Ugh. and I was like, okay, okay, okay. That was just one message. The next week, Pastor DeGraf has another message on faith and, and and stepping out and doing whatever, and I'm like, I right, told okay, we're going to Florida, we're moving to Florida. And as soon as I said, okay, God, if that is where you want me to go, I am I am willing. And God goes, I'm oh, just testing you. I just wanted to see if you would be willing to let go of what you love. God did call us to California in 2000 to a very large church. And when I went there, God's, God said, this is where I want you to go and it will be hard. I was like, Yay! And one of the hard things was of the 26 pastors on staff, there was only two of us who had a single income in Southern California, Orange County. And then we were one of them. And about seven, eight months in, our finances became tight because we're renting down there. I mean, it was an average home, but it was, it was pretty expensive. And our home up here is still not sold. And so our funds were doing this. And three times, three times, I'm in my office. I'm like, I, I'm just going to call Pastor Joe. He's the pastor of all the finances and budgeting, really great guy. And I, three times I picked up the handle and I started reaching for his extension. And God goes, put the phone down. I am your provider, not the church. I put it down. Stress remained. Tension Three times, and God said, "No, no." I'm then I'm reading, uh, going through the life of Elijah, and I'm reading Chuck Swindoll's book on Elijah, and I got to the part of of that when God brought, led him to a, a, a river. I mean, a little river, uh, uh, Kerith River, and and then it it went dry. And then God fed him with ravens, bread, and meat. I was like, oh, "What a cool story! I've heard the story." But oh, what a cool story. Then I went to the pharmacy to get a bunch of sinus issues. I got issues. Uh, my doctor said he can vouch for it. So I got all, these, got all these meds and candy who did all the finances. And she goes, um, how, how, how much were those? And I told her and she left. She came back really quiet and she goes, just want to let you know, we have $2 in checking and $3 in savings. And we need groceries. I Ran to my room, fell on the floor, began to cry, and I was like, God, I need some ravens. I've literally prayed, that. I need some ravens, I need them now. And God did. I was so desperate for Him. The next Sunday night, I, I, or a couple Sundays later, a Sunday evening deal, and someone shook my hand, and I knew something was in their hand. And I said, Thank you. He was like, Man, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad God brought you and your family here. And, and He walked away, and I like this, I put it in my pocket. And then as soon as he was gone, I pulled it out. It was a check for $500. I was like, it's a raven. <laughs> a couple days later, we go to check the mail. Uh, right across, you know, our front yard and at the mail. And there's an unmarked envelope sealed. It was about $400 to $500 of cash in there. It's a raven. So we brought the girls. And we're praying. They're all little girls. We're praying. we, pray, we got to pray for ravens. So we're like, dear Jesus, bring us more ravens. And several times Ashley would go to the mail, come back and come back, more ravens. <laughs> One day we took a trip, we came back and on our washing machine in the garage, which our front door was locked. A raven hopped the fence, went into our garage and there was $2,000 cash. And as soon, and this is what happened for months, as soon as our home up here sold No more ravens. See, when God tests you, he's he's looking to see your faith. And those three times, I'm so glad I hung up the phone. I, remember Jehovah Jireh, which means provider, not this church. We are standing in a faith room. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. This 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 building this lobby the bathrooms were only exist because of faith. Because we got all all ready and we presented it to the church in 2008 and then the market crashed. And I go to my office I said many times seriously God? Seriously my my first time as a senior pastor ever having a capital campaign and you do this. And it was a test to my faith and the condition of my heart and our faith and condition of our heart as a church. We only are in this room because of faith and trusting in God. I don't know what you're going through, but we're all going through something. All of us are on a faith journey, whether you have no faith or great faith. And it is a journey. And God will test us. And along those tests are for a purpose, a good purpose, to find out our faith and the condition of our heart. Now, if you are uh, visiting with us, you're, you're not a part of the Grace Point family, you can just rest, relax, breathe in, because the rest of this is not for you. I mean, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching online. Um, if you're in the room, you can kind of look around and see who gets nervous. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> but this part is not for you. This is for those who say this is this is, Grace Point is where God has led me or me and my family, because I believe that the The greatest, most accurate test of our faith and the condition of our heart involves our finances. Involves our finances. God knows about this. So in scripture, there's, when it talks about faith, about just about faith, there's 500 verses of faith in scripture. The issue of prayer. Awesome. There's about 500 verses on prayer. In the Bible. But when it comes to money and possessions, guess how many verses? 2,350 verses. You know, so you're like, oh, you know, you know, you're always talking about money. No, God does. God does. Because He knows what money and possession do to our heart and our faith. If we have a ton, we don't have faith in God. And often we take credit for it. For his blessings. If we don't have much, we panic and we go to fear. And he wants us to have faith. So here's, here's the central point it's a zinger if you look at it carefully. When I finally trust God with my finances, I am finally trusting God. Anybody want to say, ouch? <laughs> if, when I finally trust God with my finances, I am finally trusting God. My experience of being around Christians for a long time is the Christians will trust God with lots of things, but struggle in this area, struggle in this area. And what happens is there's two, two cycles that, that we are on. We can bounce back and forth, but here's the first cycle. It's a scarcity cycle. Okay, when God provides, God is the one That supplies us with money and resources. Everything comes from God. So if you're on a scarcity, like I don't have enough money, I never have enough. It's that the first thing you do is you consume it. You just spend it. Pay for things that you probably may not need. You just consume it. And what happens then, we lack. the, The next paycheck is here, we don't have enough money. So what do we do? We fear. And then... God supplies, and we consume, and then we lack, and then we fear. And that's with a cycle of, you know, I, I, I can never get ahead. I never have enough. It sounds very similar to Haggai chapter 1 that we talked about three weeks ago, is that we do this and do this, don't have enough, and Gus is like you put money in a purse with holes in it. And this is a picture of we're not trusting in God. We're not following biblical principles about giving. He gives, we spend, we lack. We have fear. We have fear. Then there's the generosity cycle. Generosity cycle is that God supplies, and the very first thing we do is we give. It's out of obedience to God's word, but it's also a condition of our heart, is that, God, you have given me. The first thing I'm going to do is give a portion back to you, according to Scripture. It takes faith to give first. It takes no faith to give after we've paid everything we think we need to pay. And many times we don't give because then we we lack. But the first thing we do in a generosity cycle is we we give back to God. And then we actually what happens when we give back to God first, we are actually better stewards and managers of the rest. And what happens is, again, God multiplies. God supplies our needs and kind of, I can't believe that God did that. Because God goes, You're honoring me, I'm gonna honor you back. You're blessing me, I'm blessing you back. God multiplies, and what happens is our faith grows. Look what God did, He provided ravens. And by the way, when we were struggling, we we kept giving. And it was like it was a perfect opportunity for us to go in our flesh. We can't afford to give. But we kept giving, and guess what happens? Because when God multiplies, our faith grows. We serve a big God. And so then the next pay period comes, is that look what God. Gave us, supplied to us, the first thing we do is we give back to him. And then we watch God multiply and then our faith grows. And it becomes a cycle of positive energy. Positive energy. So what I want you to do is turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. It's the last book of the Bible. If you're Italian, it's Malachi of chapter 3. Because God... God speaks. Again, when I, when I finally trust God with my finances, I am finally trusting God. All right, Malachi chapter 3. Now, in Haggai, we talked about, the nation of Israel, I don't believe, was rebellious. They were just distracted. And so that God, the God wasn't in the right priority. In, in the book of Malachi, the Israelis are completely disobedient. They're obeying God on one hand, but really they're not at all. Because in the Old Testament, part of their giving was giving sacrifices, uh, animal sacrifices. And I'm so glad that's done because I'm so glad we don't have a butchery in the back here. I will resign as your pastor if that would take place. I don't like blood. But that, that was back then where they would give animals. And God said, I want you to give your best. I want you to give spotless you know, animals and, 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 and well animals. And in Malachi, when they were going to the temple to worship God and give their sacrifices, they were giving animals that were diseased and blind. And God goes, keep, keep those sacrifices. And, and there's kind of give and take back and forth. God would say something, and the Israelis were like, well, what are you talking about? Kind of like an, a teenager with an attitude. All right, this is what you do. Well, how do we do that? Well, this is how what you do. Well, how do we do that? What are you talking about? And God was like, just keep your sacrifice. I don't want that. They're, seriously? They're, you're not even giving me leftovers. You're giving me garbage. And, and, and then what happens as you go through this book is that, that their marriages are messed up. Divorces on the rise. Violence in the marriage is happening. And God goes like, I hate this. And at the end of Malachi, the Israelis came to this conclusion it is futile to serve God, it is, it's just not worth it. It's because they weren't serving God with all their heart, soul, and mind. They were just playing religion and giving God nothing. And then because the blessings of God stopped, again, you put God up here, blessings flow. And then you're like, well, my career is actually more important to God. Well, okay, that's fine. God's not going to bless your career as much because now it's, it's under that. Well, my family's so important and God just keeps dropping down. The blessings of God begin to dry up. So oh, it just doesn't pay to serve God. Yeah, because you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you're missing out the blessings of God because you're not obeying. Not obeying. All right, that's the back, that's the backflow. So here's, here's kind of, we jump in the conversation, chapter 3, verse 8. God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings. And you're giving. Not kind of like the foundation of giving, but then over and above, offerings. He says, verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God gives a change. Here's the change. You can, you can change this. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe, the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your, crop, your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now a little teaching here. Tithes. What's tithes if you're new to Bible study? Tithes in the Hebrew it means a tenth. Um, you know, God gives us ten, and we give back one, and manage the nine. You know, God gives us a hundred, we give him back ten, and manage the ninety. God gives us a thousand. See, the higher it gets, the harder it takes to have faith. I gotta, I gotta give you. I gotta give you a hundred. I gotta I have ten thousand. I gotta give you thousand uh, faith. I mean, fear or faith. So that's, that, that is what it's talking about. Now, some of you may go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I thought I heard one time in the past that we are no longer living under the Old Testament law, that we're under the New Testament grace. So is, is tithe even relevant? Well, s- several things to consider. The tithe actually was modeled for us before the Mosaic law. Abraham tithe to the Lord before the law. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 11, Jesus having conversations with the Pharisees. And the, and the context of this verse in chapter 11 is about the tithe. And Jesus said this to the Pharisees. You should continue it. He's talking about the tithe. Just don't forget justice and the love of God. Now, I don't know, the new, tithe is not really mentioned a lot in the New Testament. Uh, okay, that's fine. Generosity is mentioned more. So Pick. Pick your number, uh, tithing or being generous. 10% is not even generous. Try that at Red Robin today. Okay. So you can pick, pick, pick do your math, whatever. But here, here's, here's the thing, verse 10, God says this. Bring, bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tithe. Verse 10, test me in this. I test you. Now God says, test me. Test me, says the Lord, what? Almighty. God doesn't drop his name. That Lord Almighty all the time in in scripture. But here God goes, test me, bring full of faith, and I know you're fearful, but have your faith be stronger than your fear. Test me in this. Bring the the whole tithe. It says the Lord Almighty, title, like the captain of the armies of heaven. The the, the commander-in-chief of all the angels, commander-in-chief that has all the resources, all the resources and all the supplies that we need in any battle we're facing. God goes, I got all, I got all the strength, I got all the power, I got all the resources, test me. Verse 10 goes on to say this, and see, watch, experience, witness, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. That it will knock your socks off. That's deep in the Hebrew, the last part. <laughs> Test me in this. I'm Lord Almighty. Watch, experience, witness that I'm going to open the floodgates. Floodgates is not a common word in the Old Testament. It's referring back to when God with, with God, was going to pour out his wrath of judgment, you know, and the flood happened where the fountains of the deep open, all the rivers and currents under, under the ground, they came open and the floodgates of heaven opened and it covered the whole earth. There's a picture there that that's how much God wants to not curse us, but bless us. Kind of the reverse. The floodgates of heaven, not Wall Street. The floodgates of heaven, not real estate. Not the market, not your investments, not any floodgates of heaven. you think about heaven, what happens to the saints that go to heaven? All their needs are provided for forever and ever. They're living into continuous joy and and pleasure and excitement and, and being completely fulfilled. Why? Because God is there. God goes, test me. Bring it on. Test me in this. So fear says, I don't have enough. Faith says, but God does. Fear says... I got to provide for my family. Faith says, God is my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He will help me provide for my family. Fear says, I, 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 I just, I can't afford to trust God and obey God in this area. I can't afford it. Faith says, I can't afford not to because I'm experiencing the blessings of God and the blessings of God it's not always it finances that, that happens it does I my, my experience the blessing of God on our marriage not because I'm a pastor do you realize how many pastors marriages are jacked up a lot a lot experiencing the blessings of God in our marriage because we're honoring God period in obedience in all areas you can experience the blessings of God. You can't put money on that your kids start wanting to follow Jesus after, you know, for themselves. Or they make wise decisions. I'm like, you can't put money on that. Blessings always follow obedience. And it's scary. There's fear there. But our fi- our faith must triumph our fear and you will test God and watch Him work. You may be kind of heard of an obscure obscure evangelist called Billy Graham went home with the Lord a number of years ago. He said this about this whole giving and honoring God with our finances. He said this, 90% with God's blessings goes farther than 100% without. And a lot of People who say, I I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus more than you, who are not obeying God in their finances, not trusting God in their finances. They're living without the blessings of God and they're spending 100% on themselves. 90% with God's blessings, and I've experienced this, some of you have experienced this, goes a lot farther than 100% without Andy and Tammy Whitson, are gonna share their story of fear, and then faith, and then God's blessing. Watch
1: this video. Okay, here you go. Hi, I'm Tammy, that's you. That's me. That's what you say. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tammy. And I'm Andy, and we're the Whitsons. We started attending Grace Point Church in 2005, we had just been transferred in uh, with the navy and we were church hunting and grace point was the first place we tried and we never really tried anywhere else it, we, it became very apparent to us very quickly that grace point was the place we were supposed to be grace point has been a huge impact in our lives with the navy moving in and out uh, you, you always struggle to find stability and the navy brought us here three different times and Grace Point was always that stability for us. It was the known commodity. It was a known environment where we knew we were going to come and be taught the Word of God, that we were going to find love and care. It was easy to get plugged in here at Grace Point because the environment was, was welcoming and open. And then, our, then your kids get older and you start to get involved in things, and it just becomes easy. My faith journey with tithing has been a rocky one. Tammy and I are both preachers' kids, and we knew tithing was the right answer. But living that out as a junior enlisted family when money is tight is difficult. Um, can be very hard, and you can always justify spending the money somewhere else. It's easy. It's easy to say, I don't have the I don't have the ability to to give back to God because I don't have enough. We would always talk about it, and Tammy said would say, Hey, you know, we need to tithe, and I would always be the skeptic. No, I don't think, I don't think we can afford to. So we didn't, you know, and I, and I let that go for years. It was always my answer. I don't think we can afford to because I had the wrong perspective. And then uh, before I was getting ready to retire, Barry preached on uh, the tithing challenge where if you gave faithfully for three months and God didn't move in your life, the church would give you your money back because God didn't need our money. God just wanted our heart and he wanted access into this area of our lives. So we did it. And near the end of the the 90 day challenge, um, God provided a job. It was huge answer to prayer. And the, the needs we had for our finances were not only met, they were far exceeded. God blessed us in ways we never could have imagined. I think that was God answering my doubt and confirming that this is what I needed to be doing. We needed to be tithing. And that if we were faithful, God would be faithful. And that doesn't always end up with more money. It just happened to in our case, but it always has ended up in blessings. God has always taken care of us, has always blessed us. It's scary. It's really scary, especially as a husband and a father, and I'm charged with taking care of my family and providing to to take a designated sum of money every month and to give it away and not have access to it, felt really wrong. Um, but it was because I was I was looking at money the wrong way. I was not putting my faith in God. You know, do you really believe that God is going to provide for you? Do you really believe that God is going to take care of you? Um, And once we allowed God access to our bank account, it was amazing what he did in our life. And you can do it too. You just start and God will do the rest. We're Tammy and Andy Whitson, and we are excited about what God has on the horizon for Grace Point Church. Amen.
0: That is so true. God doesn't need your money. He's not up in heaven Freaking out about heavenly inflation, or right, we're not gonna meet the budget in heaven this year. Come on, Grace Point, help us out. God doesn't need your money because he wants your heart. And, and for the skeptics out there, like, oh, you're only doing this because of the Horizon Initiative and you're, you're trying to, you know, increase the financial base and add, you know, and building and remodeling and all this sort of stuff. God's gonna take care of our needs. God's gonna do what he wants to do. I'm gonna say this if you're a skeptic, I hope that you'll believe my heart. You can talk to other people who've been around a long time. And I'm going to tell you that I'm, I'm telling the truth. I, I want you to begin obeying God in this area of life for your blessing, not for Grace Point's blessing. Because, you know, a lot of you are going to move and you're going to go somewhere else. But if you start a biblical pattern of obedience and finally trusting God in your finances, which means you're finally actually trusting God and, and experience what my friends experience, there's God's blessing in a lot of different ways. God's going, man, I just, I, come on, test me in this. Watch. I want to bless you. You, you need, if you're, if you're a part of our church here, please go through this, go every through every page that talks about the initiative and all that, every single page, say, God, what do you want? Who cares what this guy up here wants? What is God, what do you want? And then, okay, God, then help us by faith to do that, to do whatever you say. So my wife we've been walking through, looking through our budget. and How can we do this and change? And and we said, too, we're not gonna we're not gonna do something that requires no faith, because then it's like, look what we did. And God goes, no, no, no. Watch what I want to do. So wrestle with it, pray about it. Um, if you're ready um, for the uh, commitment, we're gonna have an uh, advanced commitment night tonight. It's really a, a worship service, prayer time, of prayer time, of testimony, and then a time of. Okay, we've heard from God and uh, we're gonna bring our numbers and when you come in on the chairs will be the the official commitment card. You can put them in and then during a worship song about turning our eyes to Jesus, we'll come and say, surrender them to the Lord. This is what God wants us to commit to um, as part of God's calling our family to Grace Point. If you're not ready, keep praying and then we'll have a commitment Sunday next Sunday. Just watch God work when you it, it is scary it is scary make sure your faith once faith trumps and triumphs over your fear you're going to be able to begin to see God like you have not seen him before or for a long time. Did you pray with me? God you know my heart and all this this whole scope of the next number of years and God uh, I have no power I have I have nothing God you are you are the senior pastor of this church. You are the owner. I'm just the manager. I'm just the messenger. God, I pray for individuals and families that they struggled all through this message today. Lord, they're not wrestling with the pastor. I think they're wrestling with you. And I pray that they would surrender to you and say, okay, God, give, give me faith. Increase my faith because I want to obey. Lord, may they follow you in obedience, and then watch you work in their life. So God, do what you will, what you want at Grace Point this year and beyond. But God, I pray that for blessings on families and individuals that are listening, that they would trust you and see you like never before. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today or for watching. If you are our guest today... um, you can breathe now, okay? You don't, you know, I mean, hopefully you can, you didn't, this wasn't for you, but if this is where God calls you, we want to have you to join the family. But if you're a guest today, go to guest services and we have a gift for you. If you're coming back tonight, we'll see you at 630 sharp. Have a good day.